you have a very interesting uh, occupation in which you sell health. Um, it's not insurance, is it? It is insurance. Okay. Yeah. Tell me a little bit more uh, more about that. How did you how did you get into that? Was it something that was kind of like you know I know someone who is in this or how did you begin? How so I didn't never thought about health insurance before in my life or selling any sort of insurance. Um, I definitely see the billboards of like the agents and they're like, "Have you met your local Geico agent or whatever." Which is not health insurance, that's car insurance. Point being, I never thought about it. I just, I had finished my degree, I took a break year and did like nothing for a year. And then I was like, alright, I'm ready to get into a career. Put my application out there on like Indeed or wherever. And like, they just went through like a regular interview. So I went, showed up, went to the interview, I was like, hey, this looks like a good job. And then as I got more into it, I started to understand like what it is we're doing, how it's actually a contractor position and not a employee position per oh. se. So it was, yeah, it was um interesting and it's definitely difficult to get started. So I'm still in, in the beginning of it, but already I think it's pretty fascinating and I'm, I think I'm going to love it for a long time. That's awesome. So do you have like an office or do you... Like, go to door-to-door, or... Um, so we have an office, yeah. Uh, it's just, like, got the cubicles, but since we're, uh, like, all independent contractors, we just can decide when we want to show up, or if we want to show up to that office, or work from home, or do whatever. Because a lot of what we're doing can be done from home, so... There are some people who just take a vacation, and maybe they'll just work a couple hours each morning. Well, they're on vacation and they wouldn't be doing anything other than sleeping or watching TV anyway. And so that way it's like you can take your job with you without it being a burden, but also like not fall behind and still have your vacation whenever you want. It sounds like a dream job. Like you can take your work with you. Like hypothetically, it sounds like you can work on vacation. It's what it sounds like. If I yeah, had I mean, that. That's the dream right there. <laughs> It takes time to get started, though, to get to that point. I see. But that sounds too so good to I'm be true. Out, I'm listening. Go for it. Yeah, okay, okay. So while I'm starting out, what this looks like for me is I, I am spending from, like, 8.30 in the morning until, like, 9 p.m. At the, at the office because that's where I can focus better and work more. And so I am making phone calls because we have the telemarketing lead system. So we get people's phone calls and we annoy them unfortunately with all those phone calls but it works sometimes and that's what we're here for and they're the one that put their phone out there and agreed that it could be sold because all this is legal so if they didn't agree to have their phone sold anyway that's a tangent point being i work probably 13 hours a day making phone calls making facebook posts texting people back when they do respond to me just to get ghosted most likely but I'm out there, like, making contact as much as possible, 13 hours a day. And in the first probably, like, three months, I'm not going to get a bite. Like, it's just going to be nothing. Oh, my goodness. And that's where, that's where most people get lost. I would imagine there's, like, a high turnover, with that being said. But yeah, but the... since it's a contracting position, there's not really a, a turnover, per se. Oh, that's right, that's right. 
But it seems like if you stick long enough, the rewards eventually um, mm-hmm. come. Yeah, absolutely. After the first year, um, most people don't quit. Like, with an agent can make it through their first year. They usually, that's their last career they'll ever be in. They stick with that for the rest of their life. Wow. That's incredible. So, what would be a reason why someone may not want to hang up on a phone call from you? Well, they requested it at some point in time. Ideally, that should be the situation. Lead companies are not always honest, and in which case we usually find out relatively quickly and stop purchasing leads from them. Which a lead is just someone's name and phone number, and supposedly the fact that they requested health insurance. So, that's what we get, but sometimes we'll get people and they're like, Oh no, I actually requested, like, car insurance, or, like, some other random thing, like, uh, house insurance, or, like, solar panels, and it's just, like, unrelated stuff. And sure, maybe they might need health insurance, but the chances are really low. We're looking for people who literally just want health insurance. So, whenever we get those, we make a note of where we bought that lead from, and we get that company out of our system. I see. But, yeah, the reason they shouldn't hang up is because, like, one, they requested it, and two, even if you're getting a bunch of phone calls, you're getting them from different people and different companies, and it's always to your advantage to make companies compete for you. So you gotta look at all your options and get as much knowledge as you can, and you'll do that by talking to people. Absolutely. Agreed 100%. So, com- in, in a sense, you are the, you're the, what's the word that I'm looking for? You're the, you're the person that leads the person to the right service. Yes, I am a captive agent. I'm just not supposed to say who I'm with. Because, for two reasons. One, health insurance is the most restricted and like industry in the U.S. And the U.S. has a lot of restrictions on businesses. So, there is so much red tape and lining. One thing, if I say my company's name and then I say one thing wrong, like I'm looking at like hundreds of thousands of dollars of legal stuff. Oh, no, we don't want that. I don't want to deal with that. No, so, absolutely. No company names whatsoever. Oh, for sure. <laughs> or products or like specific names of anything. Absolutely. Um, but I also tell people I'm independent and can look at all their options because I can look at them. It's not hard to do a Google search of healthcare.gov and then like put, you know, their date of birth in and you get, you know, a thousand results for different plans that they can be on. And I can show them those. I just don't get money if they happen to choose those. The point is, I consider myself an advisor first and a salesperson second, so even if someone doesn't want the plan that's going to give me money, like, it's if it's what's best for them, I'll help them get it. Gotcha. We had a discussion uh, the other day. You were talking about... At, their, um, at what point does seem like you know because anything could happen like someone's life can change in, in a day like in what way would the would 
the I guess your product or service uh, help someone, or is it is it I guess it's a, is it affordable is what I'm asking to a court um, based on the, the person. Okay, is that in the USA, in the USA, healthcare and health bills and everything having to do with medical? No, it's not affordable on the average person's income. It's and, not income well, I mean, what are you going to do about it? Because the, the the insurance is expensive, but the medical bills are even more expensive. And you can't have a cheap insurance for something that costs as much as medical bills cost. Like, the insurance has to properly secure the risk. You know, like, you know? You understand what I'm saying? Because insurance is all about, this is how high the risk is, so this is how much your premiums are per month. And higher the risk, the more the premiums. Uh, I and see. Since medical bills are so expensive of course health insurance is going to have a high premium thing is you can get plans if you're healthy that are slightly less i can't throw any like real numbers out there gotcha but it it it's definitely better to pay like barely make your payments than to have a million dollars of cancer bills and no insurance Agreed. It's a very interesting time, and uh, things have uh, gotten a lot more expensive. I remember my mother telling me that uh, that a hospital is basically an overglorified hotel <laughs> that takes uh, care of its patients. It is. Uh, so, um, mm -hmm. I don't mean to get too political. If you don't have I'm insurance, listening. though. If you don't have insurance, a lot of hospitals will kick you out as soon as your heart rate is stable. So unless you are going to die within the next 24 hours, they will kick you out if you don't have insurance. Even Damn. though they know you need treatment, and if you don't get continued treatment, you maybe you'll die in two weeks, maybe you'll die next month. But if it's not like within 24 hours that you need immediate assistance, then they, they're not going to keep anyone without insurance. Damn. So at that point, if you have enough money, you, I, I think we mentioned, I think you mentioned last time, you may as well start searching for tickets to Europe at that point if, you, if you're sitting outside of the hospital and start. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you, it's, I'm not sure about any other healthcare system other than the U.S., so I can't comment too much on those. Of course. But I'm sure they wouldn't let you just die. Like, you'd still owe them a bill because you don't pay taxes in that in that nation. But at least you'd live. A little bit longer. Yeah, at least a little bit longer. The price of life is... Health is wealth is what I've been told. <laughs> Is wealth. It is. It is one of the three triangles of health, or wealth. Wealth is financial freedom, physical health, and relational health, like social life. So if you got all those three things, you got wealth. I didn't think about that. This is true. You're also fulfilling your social and, uh, I guess, spiritual needs. In that case. Heck yeah. That's cool. Have you, um, mm -hmm. have you thought, I wonder if at other point, other parts of the world, 
are doing this as well. Like, I wonder what the situation in Europe is like. But truth be told, I'm not European, so I don't know that much. I do know that in the average country, the average Western country where healthcare is free, like in Europe, their taxes on their income are upwards of 50%. So, like, you only get half your paycheck. Goodness gracious. It comes out in other ways. It's free, sure, but it comes out in other ways. That's right. I remember someone telling me. So, in in a sense, like, you're not working $15 an hour. You're working, like, $7.50, with that being said. If a good portion of that comes yeah, into... exactly. Wow. And I like to think the employers take that under consideration when they set a wage. But, you know, it, it's just when, so, when a, someone in Europe says they're making that much, just be aware they're not making that much. That brings new perspective now that you think of, now that you mention it. So you're not making a million dollars, you're making like 500,000. Man. Well, hell, anyone would still want to make 500,000, though. This is true. Oh, absolutely. Those who hustle get the muscle, or something like that. How long have you been in VR, if you mind me asking? Since last April. April of 2021. Gotcha. And how did you hear about it? Was it something that um, you saw Ugandan knuckle memes and was like, you know what, I'm going to download it and <laughs> give it a shot? I wish I could say I did. I did not engage with the internet, like, ever. Like, sheltered home to the max. And so I went to college, but somehow managed to still avoid all the internet because I focused only on college and only, like, used the internet for research and what I needed. And then I had a buddy that I was in band with in my first year of college. And I kept in contact with him. And he had moved to a different city. But I was like, hey, like, want to hang out sometime? We're like, I don't know. We're just texting all the time. What if, can we, like, hang out some way? And he's like, oh, yeah. I got this VR chat thing. Like, we can hang out on VR chat. And I was like, well, I don't have a VR headset. He's like, well, you could just do it on a computer. So he helped me set it up on my sister's laptop. And we hung out, like, once a week for like five weeks in a row and i was like you know what this is worth getting a headset so i got a headset awesome and i've been on here ever since that's awesome and you're using a what headset are you using at the moment a quest 2 heck yeah i've heard nothing but good things about the mm -hmm. the quest it is it is a pretty good um headset my friend several of my friends have a quest 2 and before i got this one i was actually thinking about getting the quest 2 but i was like no i want to get the index but I've heard nothing but good so things. So do you have the index? I do, yeah. I have a index with a finger tracking in <laughs> the vibe trackers as well. So. Yeah. But it was one of those things. At I was least like, I got a PC now, so can do this whole thing. Oh, you got OVR. Yeah. Nice. That's cool. I think that's um oh yeah i like how they added i was uh, away from vr chat for about a good nine months and then i got back and i'm like oh i can 
I can inter I can interact with stuff more. Um, mm -hmm. My ears, my tails. I like the I like what you mentioned. Staying connected through, and that's I guess that's the blessing of uh, technology is that even though people are like at a far distance from each other, we still have we still find ways to connect um, with each other. Uh, whether it be through like a video call or in this case like a VR ch or in, in the case of you and your friend like connecting through VR chat mm -hmm. like virtual reality I come from a similar situation too um my friends are in South Texas right now so I haven't seen them in a while but they have a headset um and I connect with them that way I um actually the gentleman you met the other night um Mr. Hobbs, um, we've been friends for the mm -hmm. past 10 years. And when I left uh, South Texas, I was like, you know what? I think um, I'll download VRChat and connect with them that way. Mm -hmm. yeah. So Hobbs is in South Texas? That's right. Yeah. Good friend from South Texas. Do you mind if I ask what city? He is in McAllen. Heck yeah. McAllen. Uh I think Hi, McAllen. I think that's far-ish. Not too far. Not, San, not as far as San Antonio, I don't think. That's about hmm. 10 minutes away from the okay. border. You throw a rock and it's Mexico. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. That's about the same distance as if I were to go to San Antonio. It's pretty close. To oh, yeah. San Antonio is a cool city. I like San Antonio. I love the Riverwalk in San Antonio. Like every time I go. You know we're getting one in Corpus? <gasps> no. Way. That is so cool. They're building it. Well, I hope it's not another failed Padre Island project like Schlitterbahn was. Oh my goodness. But yeah, they've they've been building a canal under the roadway and it's set to become a river walk so they got these nice bridges going over it now. It's just like in the construction phase they're just making sure the water runs the right way and then they're going to start putting buildings and stuff around it they're in the concept phase of the um mm -hmm. of the planning that is so cool i'm still waiting for my um what's it mm -hmm. called there was this discussion or talk that texas wanted to implement like a like a super um subway or like a train system to where like you could get oh, from yeah. like the north of Texas to south within a short amount of time, like an alternate to um. That'd be amazing. We need that. Something like. It would make it so train. much easier for me to get to like the DFW airport, and then I could go wherever I wanted. Oh my gosh! Yes, because Texas is, Texas is huge. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I've driven across it a couple of times. It's pretty big. Oh my goodness. No, that's that's crazy. From like corner to corner, or like um. Um. Well, you know, Corpus Christi to to Minnesota, or just to Dallas, or I haven't been to El Paso yet. I want to go to El Paso at some point. What's in El Paso? Um, I think there's like mountains or something. I don't Ooh. know. It's just the city way over there on the panhandle. You know, that would be a goal to visit all corners of Texas. There's a Texas achievement for anyone who wants mm -hmm. to try that. 
I've been to North. I've been to South. I've been to Brownsville. That's way down at the bottom. Hey, right? yes, yes, it is. That was a fun time. <laughs> what happened in Brownsville? Um. Well, I was in high school, and I was on the chess team, right? But the chess team didn't have a lot of like school support. It was just one sponsor, like one dude, just keeping it all alive, sort of unofficial. But so he'd like take us in his van to whatever chess tournament was happening. So we went down to Brownsville. He got us like these bougie hotel rooms because he's like rich or whatever and has a hookup. So I got to stay at a really nice suite. It was amazing. And then it's like three days of uh, chess matches. So I didn't do a whole lot of exploring Brownsville. I can't say that I really explored it, but you know, we went to a restaurant. I got to stay at a hotel and see like from the top and then at the tournament, you can sort of get a general demographic because most of the people who are at that chess tournament are just people who are near Brownsville area. And um, I think I can confidently say I was the only blonde in that entire room. <laughs> and there was, I think, 5,000 competitors. Whoa. That's a lot of people. That's so cool. Yeah. Did you ever get to that point where like you could defeat an enemy in like three moves? You know, I think at that one, I actually got defeated in three moves. Chess oh, my goodness. My chess is one of those things where it'll come, it'll, like, phase in and out, like, in my life. Like, there'll be a movie, and then it'll get popular, and then it'll kind of die down, and then there'll be a show. I have There was a show recently called uh, The Queen's Gambit, and there was, for a while, I don't know, it's probably... Chess will always be popular. What am I saying? But um, mm -hmm. it was that show that kind of sparked interest in chess. I I suck at chess. I <laughs> I am the I'm the punching bag when it comes to chess. I'm if you want to feel <laughs> want a quick victory, I am your go-to person to make you feel a little bit more yeah. confident about your um chess skills. I'm not, I certainly haven't played it in a while, but even when I was in the middle of it, I wasn't good at chess per se. I just knew the names of a couple of things and moves and sort of knew some rules that were like more obscure that people didn't know about. So, I mean, I could win a, a couple of matches and like in general, I'm smart. I just hadn't applied myself to chess very much. So you feel you could have gone pro. And I still haven't. You could still go pro if you... Oh, I don't know about that. Why not? Going pro. You could be um, the next queen. That's um, something... Chess champion. For my youngest brother to do. So, listen here. I'm smart, right? But I got six siblings that are smarter than me. So, I mean, it would just be kind of pointless for me to do the smart pro thing. When, like, one of them could just do it so much better. Gotcha. Different ambitions. Or I think that's what's yeah. called. Plus, I don't know. I don't like. I don't like to display or like show off my smart side. I prefer to just be the funny dumb blonde. Ah. Uh, gotcha. So I like what chess. Um, I like playing chess with people. I feel um. It's kind of like VR chat. It gives people a 
a break from life in a way to a just friendly competition. I was actually playing um with um someone the other day and the first match I was playing, I was just mirroring their moves and they they caught on to my strategy real quickly and they're like, You're mirroring my moves. I'm like, Yeah, I got nothing better to do and they were like, you know what, try taking control of the middle. Because when you take control of the middle, you have a better um you have a better advantage of winning. And I've not been losing as frequently as I as I um as I've been used to. So yay! That's my that's my chess career. Mm-hmm. I'll never forget in that guy's van, he had a little book for like five year olds. And I was like, oh, this looks cute. Got nothing better to do on the way to Brownsville. So I read through it. It was only like 10 pages and it's written in like children's sentences. And it explained so much about chess that I did not know. And I was like, this is for five-year-olds. Why didn't, why was this not part of our weekly chess meetings? <laughs> I, I learned so much from a five-year-old's book. But you know, it's actually hard i i would argue that it's actually hard to create things for a younger audience because you have to make sure that it's you know easy to understand that the concept is easy to grasp especially if it's chess to a younger a younger audience children are amazingly smart and i would rather go up against someone my age at a chess tournament than a second grader any day second graders will beat you i believe and they that. will not do it with mercy i believe that 100 percent. i think it's because like as you get older this is just a theory like as you get older you start to develop empathy and depending on what kind of person you are you may feel like you know what i'm gonna let this person win or you could be one of those people that's kind of like nah this person chose to play against me versus a kid who started playing chess and like okay I got like I'm going to win like I feel there's a bit of um less restriction to younger minds that's my theory at least that's what I think hmm. and then win yeah, I don't, I don't know if they have as much emotional intelligence at that age. <laughs> right. That t There we go. That's what I was looking for. That, that was the phrase that I was working for. Emotional intelligence. That is a, that is a good phrase, actually. They're like little psychopaths running around. <laughs> no, they are, because they haven't been... <laughs> that... Uh, yes, I, I agree with that, because I, I guess when you get older, you... Um, you go through experiences and while you're young there's little to no well there's no consequence until you're caught doing it so everything's a free-for-all game until someone tells you hey you can't do that mm -hmm. it's it's amazing because the way people develop throughout their life like the way their brains develop it's you're not smarter or stupider at any one age like your brain just has different functions as it develops so like the first function is just absorb everything 
And then the second function is like, okay, now get some introspection and some like metacognitive activity going. And then from there on out, it's, you know, use your brain just changes. So you might not be able to absorb everything that I could when I was like a tiny little kid, like three-year-olds just know everything. It's amazing. And then now that you know all that stuff, it's a good to apply it but at the same time you lose the ability to absorb it so it just cements but it's like a good thing you know it's a change change is good and hard at the same time i agree have you ever had a conversation with a like a three-year-old i was at a family gathering and the conversation that we were having was <laughs> kind of like oh my goodness they are so curious and so pure especially when they're able to like formulate sentences and they ask mm -hmm. questions. They're so curious about the world. My nephew turned three recently. Um, he's not much for conversation. He does talk and say everything that's on his mind, but you just can't get him to sit still. And he doesn't have that sense of what other people are feeling yet. And you can tell because just, just constant aggression, which I don't know if you know this, but two-year-old boys and somewhere around that age have the most or the highest ratio of testosterone to body mass that they will ever have in their life. So they are just little balls of testosterone and they just punch everything. And they can't even like stop it or help it. I believe that. <laughs> they have so much so energy. Yeah, my nephew, is, he is social. He's very social. And he can be cute and have good conversations sometimes, but usually he's just running around throwing stuff at walls and punching, I don't know, kicking puppies or something. Oh my goodness. Dang. I don't have kids, I've, but I've grown up with brothers. Um, I think mm -hmm. when I was like seven years old, I got two new brothers and... I can remember a similar stories, like just them having so much energy. And at this time I was like seven. So it was kind of like, okay, I don't have as much energy as they do, but I could definitely see the similarities. And then you get older and then Kitty, life. That's not a scratching post. No. <sighs> Sorry. Are you good? Cat. And then you get older and then, like, things start to slow down. Unless you're an athlete and you're, like, still mm -hmm. hitting the the treadmill. Mm -hmm. yeah. Youth. Every, I think every part of life and everything people crave has an up and down side. Agreed. There is always a, um, a counter to... To something I th tell me more or elaborate please um so the youthful energy that people crave is of course amazing and it feels great but you're more reckless so if you don't have the bones to match it then you're gonna break something and it's also the sort of energy that it makes it hard for people to keep up with you. So you don't get to relax. You don't get to just be content or slow down and grow old with someone. You're constantly youthful and running around. There's all 
these parts of life and people focus on a lot of times one thing like I just want to retire and relax or I just want to have energy or I just want to I don't know whatever whatever they may be focusing on as a, a good part of life and or like I just want to be happy that's what people get I just want to be happy but if you're happy all the time then happiness loses its meaning agreed I do believe that there comes a point where too much of something, well, it depends on the person's philosophy. I generally believe that too much of something can be overwhelming. So usually whenever I get to that point, I usually switch to something else, put it down and then pick up something new mm -hmm. like skateboarding or too much of a good thing is a bad thing. Agreed. Or too much of the same thing. Always. I think... Yeah, um, we're made for variety. Yes, absolutely. I was uh, having this conversation with this um, this principal, and he was talking about how he wanted to create. Well, he feels that high school years, starting from freshman, how he wanted to make sure that all his classes. That students had an idea of what they wanted to be at the freshman year because he he felt that freshman is that year where you start to solidify what you want to be more or less. And people are different, but it's the the freshman year where it's like, I want to be a scientist for realsies, or I want to be in athletics, or I want to do art. So he was telling me like, because I'm actually. Um, pursuing a career in the education and he was like we are looking for someone that can really bring the best out in people even if they are um, just taking the class like required so it's finding that spark of I want to do this for realsy and get paid for just f trying to bring out the best in students so yeah it was a conversation I had. Mm -hmm. And that, I think that brings us back to the fact that a lot of times what the career you end up having and loving is nothing that you have ever heard of or even need to go to school for. Like to get a health insurance license, you just got to be like 18 or 19, depending on the state. You don't have to have any experience. You don't have to have any education whatsoever. You just got to be like legal. And you can make a bunch of money off of it, and I love it. I love that idea. And, I mean, some people, who knows what they want to do. You know, especially the trade schools. The trade schools are really underrated. Yes. I don't know how many guys, you know, genuinely love their trade school. I think a lot of them do, but a lot of people are like, hey, it's okay. Like, I, nobody wants to be a plumber or a garbage man, but they get paid more than the people in the education system do. They probably owe less money, too, actually. Mm -hmm. Trade schools um, nowadays, with how hard it is to find someone who's not, you know, getting a gender studies degree and wanting to work somewhere in a fancy office, to find the people who actually want to get down and dirty and do the jobs that need to be done to keep society running at a sanitary level. It's so hard to find those people nowadays that companies are willing to pay for your trade school. They will just, they're like, just be willing and we will do your trade school and we'll get you in and you'll make money. It's, it's guaranteed. It's just that no one wants to do it.
Wow. See, for the longest time, I was under the impression that, you know, find out what you want to do, go to school for what you want to do, graduate, get a job. <laughs> Unfortunately, that's mm -hmm. not the, it's not the linear case. <laughs> um, and I agree with you wholeheartedly that trade schools are the way to go, especially for those students that just you know, have this energy after graduating, like, you know what, um, trade schools, like you said, are being paid for, um, and probably making more money than other, no disrespect to other studies, but realistically, probably getting paid for equal, if not more, than those occupations. And in addition, mm -hmm. I think you it's mentioned... It's about supply and demand. Yes. Yes. I didn't realize this until later, but this is true. Mm -hmm. Everything in this world operates on supply and demand. You're like, why is this person's small business taking off and this one's not? Supply and demand. Why is, you know, this person who paid this much for education not getting as much as someone who didn't pay for their education? Supply and demand. If it doesn't matter how much money you invest into your future, if your future is selling something no one wants. Well said. It's a it's a very sobering a uh, realization. Mhm. Mm and I think there are economic uh, what is Economists? What are the economics people? Doctors of economics? Whatever they're called. Who have discussed this, um, ec uh, this education bubble. So there used to be like a housing bubble where everyone was like, buy a house, buy a house, buy a house, buy a house. And then it, it popped and just the, the whole market was affected. The same thing is going to happen with education where everyone's like, get your education, get your education. Don't worry about the debt. Don't worry about the payments right now. And it's going to pop whenever people can't find a job because the market is flooded with people who have all this education and they don't know how to fix a car or change pipes. And I've been there like, um... I, I remember, I forgot the situation was, but I caught myself saying, like, man, I should be a plumber or something. A mm -hmm. trade. Now it kind of got me thinking about pursuing a trade. And the cool thing is, it's it's never too late to always add, mm -hmm. to always learn new tricks. Especially when you can usually retire, they're paying so well, you can retire from a trade after, you know, 15 or 20 years of working it. So even if you're 35, you can get into a trade and then retire still on time at 55 or 60. Wow. Wow. There's the, a... The downfall of that, though... Okay. ...is... They're retiring early, so they need more people because the, the employees, they came for money they made their money and now they're leaving at 35 instead of staying till 55 so the companies have to replace their workforce even more frequently huh 
so there's probably like a turnover within like you said 15 to 20 years and then mm-hmm. one of the cool things about the now that you mentioned trade school is being able to apply these these how do you say the cool thing about these skills is that they're more or less universal so hypothetically if you wanted to you could go to another country and have a knowledge of how of your of your trade so the world suddenly the world is your oyster Mm-hmm. And how hard can it be if you... I think there is a lot of potential for that. Wow. I never thought about it until you mentioned it. Because it seems like um, in junior high and high school, there's this come to our school, like be a be a ranger or be a... Um, be, a be, be part of the mascot family. And and when you graduate, it's kind of like, where's the loyalty when you graduate? I mean, what I'm going to say is kind of controversial, but I feel that once you graduate, you're kind of expected to leave the school. From from my friends, I, I've known several who graduated, but getting a job at the place where they graduated from was kind of like it was just like a hidden rule that you just don't do you're supposed to find another city in another town and get a job there i don't know it's just that's what i've noticed when colleges advertise you know be a part of our family sort of thing it's a twofold thing. So first of all, they want you to go to their college and not someone else's because colleges are for profit and the number one way they get profit is student tuition. Secondly, after you do graduate, they're hoping you become someone successful and that you just take on this philanthropist sort of giver mentality whenever become you become rich because there's tax incentives to do so. And a lot of times people will make charitable donations to their alma mater. That's that's generally how that goes. Tony Starks be be walking out on the graduation onto graduation. <laughs> I think that's mm-hmm. I think that's what they are expecting. And it's good that an institution has high expectations for their graduates. But it's it's just I uh, it just they're more like, you know, take a whole bunch, throw it at the wall, see which one sticks. <laughs> but it's just too ideal. Like it's just not realistic. Anyways, right. that's that's why they have thousands upon thousands of students and that's why they don't want you to work for them probably, is because they know that you don't have the opportunity to get rich working for them. You have to go do something new and creative with someone else. They're like, hey, go make money from some other company and then come back and give it to us. If you're here working for us, then all we're doing is giving you money and that doesn't help them at all. I've heard stories like that where People eventually got made it big and they returned to their their home and like you said, made uh, donations. Mm-hmm. 
And I mean, I'm not gonna say that I wouldn't. I probably wouldn't give too much to my college alma mater just because I was only in person there for eight months. I just didn't feel like a part of the, you know, culture or family or whatever. But I definitely would invest a lot back into my community and especially my high school. There we go. I, I agree with you there. I that's that's a good cause. And I th I think anything for the giving back to your community is a good cause. Mm -hmm. Going on a tangent here. How did you uh pick mm -hmm. your avatar? This avatar, I found it relatively quickly when I got into VR chat. It was just one of the first avatar worlds I popped into, and I've kind of always stuck with it. Like, it's it's great. It's it's beautiful. It's modest, which is hard to find in a female avatar. I agree. Um, a little cat. <laughs> yeah. So I know it's not going to get banned since it's modest, but it doesn't have, like, any sort of weird logos or LED that's hard to look at. Or it's not like a meme or something. It's just it's just a person. Yeah. What are you up to now? No, kitten. Oh, my God. Get off of there. She's going to kill you. Ugh. Okay. Sorry. I got some kittens uh, on Wednesday. Okay. And my adult cat is not real pleased with them. Oh, but no. they keep, like, chasing after her. And I'm like, you're, you idiots. And also, my bed is not a scratching post. Oh, my goodness. Cats are awesome, but man, are they interesting creatures. <laughs> I love They're cats. very entertaining. To say the least, they are the reasons why I keep on going back to the internet and searching up random videos looking at cats because they will always be surprising. <laughs> mm -hmm. In one way or another. And in, in in weird ways in in the way they move the way they yes. just do random things make sounds yeah like i'd watch my two kittens and they just they run from one end of the house to the other as young cats do but they hit their head on everything along the way oh my and goodness. that's what is hilarious to me and just the little the little paws afterwards and then they're like wait where am i what's going on and then the other kitten like jumps on them and doesn't give them a chance to recover and then they're like okay guess we're fighting that's what we're, that's what's happening pretty sure they got brain damage at this point oh my goodness it's like the kitten you mentioned a moment ago like had this sense of like what am i <laughs> and the other cat was kind of like <laughs> like push and shove like hat tag you're it Hey, I got an interesting question for you. Okay. It's really off topic. I hope that's okay. Absolutely. Uh, so what age do you think a child, a human child, is knowledgeable or like mentally like there enough to be held responsible for certain crimes that they commit? That is a good question. I think it depends on the child's maturity and ability to reason 
But as far as it goes for age, if I had to put an age down in which they're self-aware of their actions, I would say... Um, roughly five? I want to say five, yeah. When they're at this point where they can walk, they can talk, and they can be reasoned with... I want to say even younger, but I'm going to say five. I would like to... Five, five is my final answer. Boop. Okay. So, is that like... That's when they're able to reason and, like, maybe understand some consequences? Or, like, think in advance? Yes. But do you, do you believe that they can think enough in advance to understand, like, crimes? Like, actual crimes? Mm. And, like, the consequences for those? You know what? That is a good question. I think... It, there are a lot of factors to take into an account, but it's a good question. I think... Partially, no. What do you think? Um, I think just because they start to understand reason doesn't mean that they are capable of thinking in advance and fully comprehending a situation with its consequences. So, if I was to say this is the age that a child can be held, can, like, go to jail for their crimes, or, like, have serious penalties like that, like juvie, I would say, like, 13 for a girl and 15 for a male. Maybe okay. 14 for a male. Because, guys, you know, their brains do take longer to develop. But I have to say, before that time, like, if even a kid that young, if they're committing a crime, you can kind of hold them responsible because they do know better. But if, like, an 11-year-old accidentally, like, murdered something, what, how are you going to be like, oh, well, that kid just needs to go to jail? You know, like, obviously there's something wrong with that upbringing or their situation that you can't put even most of the blame on them is it's just not enough blame for them to have any serious or have any permanent life-altering consequences like juvie gotcha i i do believe that um there's this there's a line where come where consequences need to be administer to the child not always in physical form but they have to understand why it's wrong and so they won't do it oh yeah, absolutely i'm not saying there shouldn't be consequences there definitely should i'm just saying being on a registered sex offenders list at the age of 10 is not something society should be doing to kids okay huh okay that is a that's a permanent thing that changes their the rest of their life. You know, I didn't think about... I didn't consider that when I was thinking my... Thinking the age. Because it, I, I believe that a, a child's brain is still developing. Yes, they have an understanding of their actions, but I, I think even until 18 or... Maybe a little bit after, are, are there are people's brains still developing? Mm -hmm. I don't think. Give. I just, yeah, I find it hard to, to tell anyone under the age of eighteen that 
a consequence that a thing they do has lifelong consequences like there are some things that no matter what that's gonna have lifelong consequences but as much as i can avoid it i think we should give kids an opportunity to make mistakes and learn from them without destroying their lives yes i i agree with you um that's one thing that um education has always education has incur is starting to encourage failure why so that we can learn from our mistakes but but in an environment where there is no permanent consequences like in a, in a safe fail in a safe environment for lack of better words mm -hmm. but i do believe there comes a point i think that that whole uh, yeah learning from failure is just a really important thing that applies to every area of everyone's life at every age and it can can't really be overstated but you bring up a good point because say we do charge a kid at the age of all right five or ten so the rest of his life is destroyed he's not going to have an opportunity to get a job or anything because of a consequence that he could barely comprehend at a young age mm -hmm. exactly and that's assuming they understand what they did wrong and if the guardians or parents were present at that time that there's a lot to take into account but i i agree that it's um mm -hmm. to pass judgment as also the pass um a consequence also as the first is not very um it, it doesn't give a chance for the for the child to understand like okay what i did was wrong i'm not gonna do it again mm -hmm. and like i said usually in those situations where a young child does something majorly majorly wrong that's a sign that they're already broken they're already being raised or in a situation where they need help they don't need a consequence they need help you bring up a good point so you know why would you take someone who's already broken and destroyed and then just destroy, destroy the whole further rest of their life and not even give them a chance you know with that being said i feel in that case we would be raising a, a an individual who has resentment and becomes bitter against society for exactly You, it's an interesting topic. I believe it starts... Uh, this is going to be a tough one. I believe it starts at home. If the child has a home. Um, and with a, a figure in their life to tell them... We don't do that. This is not what we do. There are better... There are better ways to um, invest your energy. Like, you don't have to hit someone. You could go ahead and find a... I'll buy, I'll buy you a, um, a boxing... Those things that you can hit and you could punch that. Like, trans find alternatives. A yeah, pun I was like, oh my gosh, what was it called? Um, find ways that the child can release their energy finding alternatives to 
to what they have, I believe. And I think a lot of times it's not even just that they have energy or emotions they don't know what to do with. I think it's also that they don't know who they are. And they might not realize that they don't know who they are. So this lack of identity and this feeling that nobody knows them because they don't know themselves. So they're lonely. They're disrespected because nobody will pay attention to them. And it will drive them to do things to get that validation or that respect or whatever they seem to be lacking. And a lot of times they're not even consciously aware of it. They just think, man, if I had, if I did this, then people would be afraid or like they'd behave this way. And that's how I want people to behave towards me. See, this is where teachers and caretakers and any any influential individual comes into place um they have an opportunity to oh, my leg's not a scratching post either <laughs> oh. oh no okay well there's a kitten on my lap and i don't think they know how to retract their claws so i'm just you know a cactus basin at this point oh no oh, i hate but continue. T teachers have a good influence on kids, yes. Teachers, um, I, I also believe, now I'm not religious, but I do believe church gives a public sense of congregation, people to come together, um, give children uh, um, a, a sense of, participate in the service have a sense of community there we go that's what i like about church yes community and belonging yes absolutely and you'll even they don't even have to go to church for religious reasons they could just go just just to participate or just just to yeah, have a sense a lot of high school kids um that just go to the youth group nights wherever that is and that doesn't even involve a whole lot of you know, religious ongoings. It's mostly just like a hangout for people in high school. Heck yeah. But also, but like you said, make the efforts of a child validated. I think this is also why coaches and, well, teachers in general, but coaches and art teachers have a special place because a coach can recognize and build a student's effort like, hey, that play today, that was a great play. Hey, this isn't the last game. We'll win next time. We'll do our best next time. That was a good effort. An art teacher, like, mm -hmm. I like what you, like, what you created. Your expression is really something. But not just, I, I, I think yeah. we need to be... No, I understand what you're what you're going on. Like, of course, it starts at the home, but if a student is lacking in that, you know, positive atmosphere in the home or that security and validation, just a single teacher or coach or mentor of any type yes. can make a world of difference in their lives. They just need that that positive word, and it doesn't. It'd be better if it came from a biological parent, Agreed. but any sort of parental figure can just work miracles for changing the course of a student's life. Agree tenfold. The danger, though, there is a danger. If a, someone like a coach, and we see this sometimes in, in 
football because America is so big on football. If a coach takes on that role, but then also has the whole, I need to win this championship or whatever sort of uh... mentality, and they sacrifice the well-being of a student for that, the, the student will learn to put all of their identity into how well they play football or whatever sport it is. And then a lot of times after high school, they don't do that anymore. Like most extracurriculars you do in high school, they stop after high school. And then students end up feeling very lost and rejected and alone after high school. So as long as they have a well-rounded identity and the mentor is building a, hey, like this is where I see you at this class or this ac activity, but how's the rest of your life going? Like, let's build a well-rounded identity for you. Agreed. I like how you talk about that continued mentorship post-graduation and not just a in-the-moment kind of thing. I'm I'm pretty I'm pretty sure um I know I have when I was gra when I graduated high school. I think years would go by and I'll be like I would have been at the supermarket and be like, "Hey, Mr. Rodriguez, it's good to see you." And <laughs> sure enough, Mr. Rodriguez looked at me and he's like, "Oh, it's good to see you, Chroma." <laughs> like, heck yeah. Like, I sucked in your class, but you were a positive influence in my life. So that um that means something um mm -hmm. one thing that they're teaching in schools nowadays is to it's not all about grades it's about um making a connection with um with students it's not all about there's what they're saying is it's not all about academics to really just make a connection Yeah. I'm in the firm. As an educator, like, you know, it's in your the definition of your job title is to educate, but you can't educate someone who's broken. Like, they're, you, you have to make sure they're in a position to be educated. So there is a, a sort of underlying a job title or description under there. Agreed. It's uh, I think our our educators are underappreciated in this uh in this country. Cause definitely, they do underappreciated, underpaid, but at the same time, I don't know how to fix that. Yeah, um, me neither. It's uh, there is no um silver bullet for this beast, for lack of better words. But what I will say, mm -hmm. um, with the people that we do interact, I'm in the firm belief that um, as a society, we need to be a little bit nicer to each other, um, slower to anger, and just, we don't know what people's lives are going through, so just, while we're on this earth, just be a good Get, be a good person. Yeah. I agree. I agree entirely. The I think the issue society is facing a lot nowadays is people can't look at others and say, hey, 
maybe they're they've been the victim of something recently and they can't have that compassion instead society's almost well not i want to say society as a whole but there's a lot of pressure out there to encourage people to be the victim instead of sympathizing with how someone else might be a victim and having the self-confidence to be like oh okay let me be selfless for a half second and worry about how you're feeling we have all this like oh you deserve this and you should get this and if somebody infringes on your rights then you're the victim and you need to throw a hissy fit you know for lack of a better term so i think it just lacks a lot of maturity and a lot of selflessness when we are constantly screaming at people that they need to be self-important and identify as some sort of victim for, for everything There's a book written by Stephen Covey, and it's called The Seven uh, Habits of Successful People. I'm butchering the title, but one of the habits that he talks Seven about... Seven Habits of Highly Effective That's the one, yeah. Thank you. My favorite um, takeaway from that book is seek to understand, then to be understood. I butchered that part, but I love the idea of getting to the root of it like understanding why instead of having this self-centered way of you have to understand me in order for me to understand you, I just love the approach of why is it like that? Like, all right, let me understand where you're coming from. Why are you like that? Why? Why are? Yeah, like I, I want to understand how we got to this point. Mm-hmm. Yep. I was gonna say something, but my kitten distracted me. This cat right here is so cute. Ah. Okay. Too bad you can't see it. <laughs> it's all good. Here, I'm gonna go throw it on the ground. Ah. Go, kitten, go! Okay. Am I still charging? Um, yeah, no, I lost the charger. Oh, well. Oh, no. There we go. It's all good. Anyway. So, you know Stephen about? F. Covey. Wow. Yeah, his stuff is awesome. I've heard of that book many, many times over. Um, I think it's a very popular book that people recommend. I know it's somewhere in my closet on a bookshelf. I can't <laughs> say that I've read it yet. Shame on me. No shame. But I do listen to audiobooks from time to time. Hey. So. <laughs> There's that at least. Audiobooks are awesome. I like how you can like be in your car and mm -hmm. be reading a book at the same time. Multitasking at its finest. Yes, absolutely. Because there's nothing like a little bit of distracted driving to make your day better. <laughs> oh no. <laughs> oh, it's fine. It's it's not that bad. Audiobooks and listening to music are slightly distracting, but it's not too bad because you're not required to respond. A fun fact, a phone conversation, even if it's hands-free, just talking on the phone with someone, um, results in about the same performance or even worse as if you were drunk driving. That I did not know. And with that being said, I will no longer... Because your mind isn't, yeah. Your mind isn't on the driving, it's 
it's on the conversation because you have to respond and so you're mentally somewhere else. Huh. I'm just not gonna talk it after the after hearing that I'm just I think I will wait after mm -hmm. I did not know it's just that. hard because it's so socially accepted and I know a lot of people who, who look for someone to talk to while they're in a long ride because they they just get bored or whatever else in the car and so they need someone to keep them away keeping so there it's it's better to be on the phone than to fall asleep. I'll say that. And I have had to call people before to help them help stay awake while I'm making a long drive home at night. And so that's definitely better. But as much as possible, yeah. Don't don't think that it's perfectly safe. Don't speak or text. You mentioned mm -hmm. audiobooks. Was there a oh. Why? Why, Kitchen? Get out. <laughs> No. Was there a book that Continue. resonated with you where you were like reading it and you were like, holy smokes, this really spoke to me? Um, There was an audio book I listened to and then a two set of books that I read that okay. both did that for me. So the audio book I listened to was... I think it was called Can't Hurt Me or something like that. I wish I could. Let me let me look it up on Amazon real quick. Gotcha. I've got it in my library. I gotta I gotta get this for you because it was a great book. Basically, it's the autobiography of a Navy SEAL. Oh, nice. Like his his life story and where he is now, and there are so many F words which keeps you awake <laughs> and like interested. So it's not hard to. It's not hard to listen to. It's unless that F word bothers you, then I guess it is kind of hard to listen to. But it, it for me, it usually I tune stuff out after a certain amount of minutes. Like my mind just like goes off on a tangent, and I'm not listening anymore. But with with that many F words, I was listening atten attentively <laughs> the whole time. <laughs> Do you know if the author was the one that was doing the audiobook or? If they hired someone. Yes, I believe it was narrated by the person himself. Oh, nice. Yes, David Goggins can't hurt me. David Goggins. Navy SEAL David Goggins. Wow. Was there something that... Wonderful book. Absolutely amazing. What they go through um, is... Just... Yeah, as the Navy SEAL, what they go through, but his wasn't even on, like, what happened in the military service. It was mostly about his life before then and how he let himself get really overweight because he was, like, 300 pounds. And then he had this whole weight loss journey where he lost all that weight and got down to the requirements to be a Navy SEAL within... It was a matter of months. It was not long, and he lost, like, 110 pounds or something like that. Wow. And then he tried out, I think, three times to make it. because, And you can only do it three times. So he really had to make it that third time. The first time he had, like, double pneumonia and got, you know, laid out. And the second time something else happened and he got laid out medically. Um, and the third time he should have been laid out med medically, but he avoided the doctors with dear life. 
like everything in him and i mean the guy literally had broken legs and had to run a marathon like this man ran on broken legs wow he was like i'm gonna do this and be this navy seal and i mean he did so then after his military endeavors he became a what are they called it's not a marathon runner it's um ultra ultra runner where okay. they run like 100 miles or for 24 hours or like a week long sometimes just extreme races where they just run so that's what he that's what he did and that's what i think he's still doing is he just runs like forrest gump The human spirit. Oh, you better not be chewing on my PC wires. Come here, you. Get out. Ugh. Little rodents. They're not rodents. They're adorable. <laughs> but, yeah. That's a success story to me. When you achieve mm -hmm. the... Um, just... The impossible... There was a... I love stories like that. There was a... There's a video online where this guy was born with no limbs. And so... And he really wanted to be an engineer for a company. And eventually he got it. But the way he got there was just... He, he had to overcome so many obstacles because he loves cars, but he doesn't have any arms. So he built this contraption it is so cool where he, um his feet do most of the most of the work in this car and that's that's how he gets to work like the way people like necessity is the mother of invention like stuff like that inspires me like people overcoming are my heroes and when I look at that, mm -hmm. it's kind of like, you know, I have no excuse. Like, I. Absolutely. When you look at what I, I can't people... agree more. Like, that's that's why I keep doing what I'm doing. And I try my absolute best at a job that's not making money for the first three months. Because I know that when it does, I'll make it. And if I make it, I can be that success story and I can inspire others. I think that's my biggest motivation for wanting to be wealthy is the not just the status not the being comfortable which side note if your goal for getting wealthy is you want to be comfortable then you'll never do anything uncomfortable to get wealthy so you'll never be wealthy all right but i want to be an inspiration to people like i want to let people know who maybe have been through what i've been through or felt the way i felt that they can do it too. And I can't do that if I have not made it. Well said. Because I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people in this dark place where it's kind of like, what can I do? Or how, where do I begin if I want to do what you're doing? Well, you can't love comfort, I'll tell you that. Comfort is a very, it's a creepy thing. 
because I don't know. I've, I have mixed feelings about the word comfort. And it's, I guess it's, it, I guess it's subjective for lack of better words, but when you're comfortable, there's what does, that what plateau. Does comfort, yeah. Tell me. To me, being comfortable is, plateau. yeah, like you're not growing. You're not being challenged. You're not, um, what's the word? What's the word? Um, you're just not growing. You're just at this con, you're at this flat um, state and you're just content with You've that lost momentum yes yes mm-hmm. apathetic is that the word you're looking for that could be <laughs> well i know it's gonna it's gonna bug me it's we're gonna end this podcast and then the word's gonna come into my head stimulating that's the word it's not ah it's not okay it's not um stimulating your senses it's just this clock in, clock out, go home, eat, sleep, repeat. Or... Right. So, like we said before, all things in moderation and too much of a good thing is a bad thing and life has all these facets. So, comfort is a part of it, but it definitely cannot be the major part of it and it certainly can't be the driving part of your life. Agreed. I'm in the firm belief that there is no growth without struggle. I did not come up with that quote. Someone else did, but it resonated with me like, um, or it resonates Mm -hmm. like you. I mean, unless you win the lottery, which the chances of that are really low, just the ultimately. Oh, and, um, fun fact about the lottery too. One third of lottery winners kill themselves within a year. Why do you think that is? I've noticed that. I've heard that as because well. Because wealth is not money. And people who want money but don't have it, they don't have it because of their lifestyle. You can't just inject somebody with something that they're not already living and expect it to go well. Like, I don't know, like we got... I can't think of a good metaphor on the spot. But point being, if somebody's lifestyle doesn't match up with that of somebody who has money, because people have money not because they're born into it, but because they made it, because of their lifestyle choices. Right. Like, money is just a sign of what they're doing. If you want to know how to be rich, you got to do what the rich do. And so if you give somebody who's not doing rich person things a bunch of money, they're going to keep doing poor person things, lose all of it, and just feel like the worst of the worst. Agreed. I think you nailed it because I I agree this I agree similarly. I'm being given so much money within a short amount of time, and you just don't know what to do with. Of course, the person's going to be doing the thing they did yesterday. I mean, unless they wake up and have mm-hmm. this sudden realization, like, okay, I can't be doing what I did before. But what's the percentage of that? Zero. Absolute zero. Nobody wakes up and is like, you know what? And now that I have money, all my problems are solved and I'm going to be a completely different person who works hard and doesn't complain and doesn't pretend to be the victim. And I'm going to get up and I'm going to learn how to invest and I'm going to do all the things I said I would do just all of a sudden. (laughs) Imagine. 
I mean, otherwise we wouldn't have those statistics. Mm-hmm. Also, lottery is a tax on the poor. What? And the only reason it's illegal is because the when someone wins the lottery, the state gets a significant portion of it. So it, they get a massive tax from it. But basically, it targets poor people, right? People who don't have any money, and they think their only way out is to win the lottery. So they buy lottery tickets. It's a couple dollars or whatever, however, however much they spend on it. It's a tax on the poor. Because only poor people are going to go get the lottery tickets. I mean, sometimes people get it for like a birthday present as a joke or whatever. But the only people who regularly buy lottery tickets are those who are in desperate financial need. And they're going into debt for those lottery tickets. So it's targeted at the poor. And, then, and even when they win, the state takes a significant portion of it. And, you know, they're no better off than they were even with the money. Gambling is, is, is such a scary thing. It seems like a habit-developing thing. Oh, if you don't win this time, maybe I'll win next time. Let's try winning exactly. again. And gambling is, is illegal in a lot of places. And there's a good reason for it. It's just it's just illegal, and the only reason the lottery is illegal is because money from the state. I heard this quote from a from a casino in Las Vegas. I think it was someone who was tending the table. That um, oh, it was a YouTube video. They were talk. They were saying that losers built the casinos. I don't know, that just stuck with me. Or, like that Wolf of Wall Street movie. I hate to say that insurance is similar, though. Okay. I hate to say insurance is similar, where everybody pays this amount, and we're hoping that you don't get anything in return for it. Like, we're hoping you're healthy and don't have medical bills. And so we're going to do everything we can can to only take healthy people and try to just make it not have to pay any medical bills because then we get all your monthly premiums and we don't got to pay nothing now i think it's the statistics of my particular company are like less than one percent will have a claim that year that is over 50k so yeah it's it's definitely a money-making thing most health insurance companies though because they they accept everybody, they are in debt. They're bankrupt because they can't charge a premium as high as they would need to to pay for everybody's medical bills because they're taking people who are already sick and already have over 50k of medical bills, and they can't charge you 10k a month for health insurance. So they just have to be bankrupt. <sighs> stuff that's what Obamacare did it made healthcare companies have to accept people and so then you know a lot of them went out of business unless you managed to stay private which is difficult to do It's a lot to take in.
and then did you also know that hospitals will bill an insurance a lot more than they will bill a person who's paying cash i believe that they're like if the insurance is paying we'll just bill them extra anyway because you know it's just it's just insurance who cares they right can pay. And there are some places that will not um, allow you to just pay cash and not bill the insurance. So they're like, look, no matter how you're paying, we're going to bill the insurance because then it will cost more. But if, if you've got one that will take cash, you can, um, and you're paying cash anyway for whatever reason, then you can bill it cash and it might not be as much. Still pretty steep though. Oh yeah. But I see what you're saying. As soon as the the hospital gets whiff, like, okay, they're paying with insurance. Well then, let's add a few zeros, shall we? <laughs> mm, I could go on a whole rant, but I don't think I will. For sure. No, yeah. I don't want to get too political. No, of course, for sure. Me neither. I'm the last person that should be talking about politics. I haven't... I mean, oh man. Yeah, that's. <laughs> mm -hmm. My big political issue is I just think about everything with regards to men's rights. Mm. And I think that's a very interesting way to look at things. Politics. Gotta love them. Every country has them. I think politics used to mean something different back in the day. Agreed. You know what? Politics, the definition of that has changed. Yes. Um there was a few, there was a, there were some YouTube videos I was watching. It was like a congressman uh discussing having a having conversation with these college students. It was in the 1960s. And the way that these college students present themselves like are so articulate it felt like a like a conversation between mm. yeah just we, like it's... politics was an intellectual debate not right. an emotional screaming yes match. against one stranger for another i think that's one of the curses of the internet but yeah Oh, how far we've come. <laughs> mm -hmm. Also, fun fact. I just am full of fun facts. I'm like an encyclopedia. 50% um, of Biden's followers on Twitter are bots. They're not real people. Oh, wow. Huh. This is the age that we've entered. Mm-hmm. Wow. Try explaining that to someone 50 years ago. Like, even the internet is kind of like, there will be this thing called Twitter. <laughs> where... So, okay, so you can send instant letters to anybody in the world, right? But you have no guarantee that the person responding to your instant letters or putting these letters out to you is even a real person it might just be some ones and zeros and also maybe they are a real person but they're pretending to be someone they're not 
or maybe it's a child and they're pretending to be an adult like you just <laughs> chaos pure chaos and you got to learn how to type too because maybe they're not literate in the past It's like, think of your typewriter, <laughs> and whatever you type can be projected to everyone in the world that has a similar typewriter mm -hmm. device that you have. Mm -hmm. And then all those people type back and tell you what they think of your opinion. <laughs> what a Crazy. world. Absolutely. We are coming in. <laughs> oh, you got a swivel chair. I do. The best kind of chairs. Mm -hmm. I got my I got a chair with um with rollerblade wheels at the bottom. Like when I had the money, I was like I swapped <laughs> them out. So I'm like, heck yeah, I can now roll around where I want to without the the stock wheels like stopping me mm. we are coming in at one hour and 30 minutes and i think i think we're gonna end it there workaholic thank you for your time and your fun facts um i really mm -hmm. enjoyed this time it's been it lightning can i do a little self promo absolutely go for it if you'd like any more information about health insurance or you're self-employed, otherwise uncovered for whatever reason, need to pay your own health insurance, my Discord is workaholic, hashtag 7028, and I can just at least advise you or point you in the right direction. There. Heck yeah. Workaholic, thanks again. <laughs>